You're listening to Empire of Rust, the world's first and only Transformers RPG podcast. Join the heroes of Icon as they defend Cybertronian civilization from the remnants of Cybertron First to Lord Starscream's egotistical leadership and beyond to the unknown threats on the other side of distant stars. Welcome back to Empire of Rust. And I have to apologize to every single listener and all of you. Want to know why? Why? Because I didn't end last week's episode on a cliffhanger. <laughs> I feel like I let you down. You know what it was, though? Because last episode was patient. It's all like it was closure. It was an episode about closure. Like, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was the cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers. Waiting, waiting for that other shoe to drop. Yeah. The entire episode was the conclusion of a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, that is good. I don't feel as bad about myself right now. But you should still feel bad. Yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't start climbing up on a pedestal now. <laughs> My self-esteem went up two points and then down four. <laughs> There's a tool song about that. It's just like, I will work to elevate you just enough to bring you down. Rude. <laughs> so you're a tool fan. Bam. Oh, ma- major. Big time. <laughs> I thought you were just going to stop at the you're a tool. <laughs> I, 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 would have agree- I would have agreed with it either way. <laughs> I was all set to go like, eh. yep. God, I haven't, li- I haven't heard tool in forever. Yeah. Are they still a thing? Yeah. That, when they finally came out with an album after like 13 years. It's quite good. I don't think I'd recognize huh. them if I heard it. There's a, I've watched there's a, a drub cam for their one of their new songs, Numa, and it shows just you know it's a close up of Danny Carey's through the whole song live, and it's insane. It's like legitimately insane. Like he is not human. And I've watched a lot of huh. like reactions of people like reacting to it. So like oh like drummers okay. like like they're like oh yeah like I'm a drummer and I teach people how to drum and then they watch this and they're like no like that's no, <laughs> people shouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> Am I to believe that the laws of physics don't apply to your drum set? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's like one of those people who throw the coins up in the air and can shoot the coin. Right. What have they done? Because I'm trying to remember like a song of theirs and I'm just drawing a blank. It's been so long. Uh, sober, Anima. Don't know it, don't know it. Uh, Vicarious. You know it. The pot. If you heard it again, you'd know it. You'd just make it up words. I mean, Numa, <laughs> Fear Inoculum, Invincible, Right in yep. 2, 46 and 2. Invincible sounds familiar. That's one of the newer ones. Oh, then. Okay. Yeah. I'm oh, making something up yeah. then. Poyo Absolutum. <laughs> yeah. You're just trying to seem cool now, Mike. Yeah. 10,000 Days, Wings from Marie, Marie, Part 1 and 2, Jombie. Yeah, I don't recognize like any of the names. If I heard Hooker them, maybe. With, Hooker with a penis, Jimmy, H. <laughs> <laughs> See, he could be saying anything right no, now. We have no idea. <laughs> Swamp, <coughs> prison be, sex. You could be making up no, words. <laughs> these are all, these are all lyrics. These are all bi- us. Help us. Are you just doing word association with the porn on your walls? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah, prison sex has got a good one. It's just like, I have found some form of temporary sanity in this in my hands. You may have to cut that part out, but that's okay. I can't cut it out of my brain. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he sings it, so it's much nicer, you know. 
Maybe I should bleep it and just leave it as the one bleep thing in the entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it sounds nicer in the song because they put it to music. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I am a big fan of theirs, and I, I recommend their music very highly. This is what you hear when you when you get a recommendation. Imagine what you get from someone who doesn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Prison sex with the recommendation, huh? It's a great song. <laughs> it really is. I highly recommend Prison Sex. Yep, I do. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of there's a lot of fans I know. I mean, uh, admittedly, I wanted to talk about something else for the beginning of this episode. Sure. We can, we can, <laughs> Instead of we can get rid of it. Hey, I didn't start this. Maybe I did. I wanted to ask all of you, like, what kind of game systems did you guys play when you were when you were younger? So back when I was a kid, I bought a, a the box set of Starfleet Battles. I didn't have anyone to play with, but I still bought <laughs> oh. the box set because it looked amazing. It does. And if those of you who don't know, Starfleet Battles is like a pen and paper. Not even not even miniatures. You can't call it a miniatures game, but it's like a tactical war game with just little cardboard cutouts of starships. But the cool thing is, like, you could manage the entire starship. Like, you actually manage. You had to do a like, manage the pen and paper version of like power supply, weapons, shields, and everything. And I just thought it was so amazing. Never played it for like ten years until I finally got the chance to. But but yeah, so I wanted to hear what you guys actually played when you were younger. And was it as cool as Starfleet Battles? Well, I don't think I have anything to compare with four hours a turn. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> although I must say I did enjoy Starfleet Battles very much when we did it. It's just, people who like detail will love that. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't, no, I didn't do any role playing until about eighteen in college, from freshman year. Corniblet? Is that cor- Corniblets? That was the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, that and I don't. Corn Niblets was a, you guys all all know Rob, you know. He played in that game. I played the first first role playing game I ever played in. I played with Rob in there. He was a dwarf called Belog Thunderdick, um, and he t- mutated everyone's names like he does today. So I became Corn Niblets. I don't remember what my actual real name was. It wasn't nearly as good as that, but <laughs> I thought Corniblus was the system. So, so what is this? Is it just D and D? No, it was uh, it was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons First Edition, a sort of brutal system, a bit. You know, it was actually we're starting a second edition. I was going to play a Cyanicist, and we played for one game, and then the DM didn't want to DM anymore, and the other, the new DM switched us to First Edition. <laughs> so I became the worst thief in the world with the same stats. So, but a lot of psionic powers. It was bizarre, but it was a lot of fun. Got her ass. This is the ass. This is the ass kicking kind of DM, you know. What about you, Mike? Did you did you play any any Corniblets? I did not play Corniblets. I did play some <laughs> AD and D and Vampire the Masquerade. That's what I started Ooh. with. I never played Vampire. No, do you play any of those systems? Uh, no, I start. I started with uh, with three O. For D and D, so I unfortunately missed out on the the whole uh, first and second edition. I got a bunch of second edition stuff you can have for cheap. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, second edition was archaic rules wise in a lot of, in so many yeah. ways, but they they were king of content because there were more. There's probably still are more supplements, magical item rule like extra extra things 
spells, all sorts of cool stuff. That also led to their downfall. Yeah, it <laughs> collapsed under its own weight, I guess. But. Yeah, they were making too much stuff and not making enough money. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> which, is, which is why, yeah, that's how Wizards of the Coast bought them. Yeah. Because they were basically was, running out was, of money. It was TSR at the time, right? Right. No, the, like I said, the first the first thing I played was uh, was Starfleet Battles, and I I wrote up a GI Joe, uh, like like RPG, like tactical RPG that I use like my old GI Joes with. Oh, cool! <laughs> but that was that was it. But no, like I said, That's I awesome. I didn't start until uh, uh like three uh, until three O, and by that point everything was was fairly well developed. So I mean, how do you have a tactical RPG with GI Joes? I mean, they never hit anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can destroy robots fine. Yeah. <laughs> and their reflex saves are amazing. Like anyone flying a pilot, like out. Yeah, but the vehicles were made like paper. Yeah. <laughs> they took one hit and they're gone. What did you put all of your build points in? Ejector seats. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah, I wrote up like this whole rule set for like uh, like like how far they could move in feet. Oh wow! Cool. Yeah, like what their range was, like based on the weapon. Like some of them had like the spring-loaded missile launchers. They had the longer range, of course. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you ever take take the spring out, stretch it out, and then put it, squeeze it back in to increase the range? <laughs> Never did. No. <laughs> That's called I, modding. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, Adam? What'd you play when you were a kid there? Uh, role playing. <laughs> I'd have to say. Everything? Just about. I mean, I got started, uh, <laughs> some older kids in the neighborhood uh, on a rainy day took some of us younger kids inside and they started to do, uh, or one of them started to run us through a dungeon, just a dungeon crawl. Everything was theater of the mind, except the graph paper, which had everything, including our positions and you know, all that. That was, that was first edition. My first taste of what RPG was wasn't really theater of the mind then. If you had the graph paper with everything, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess the graph paper <laughs> was the only thing to to key us in. Uh, a few years later, got into uh, first edition with a friend, and we didn't really play so much. We just talked about it a lot and made up characters and you know had big plans, but neither one of us wanted to run. Uh, then. Uh, got to high school and uh, started playing with uh, some friends there. And I was delegated to be the the GM at the time. So I had to read through as much as I could and keep them up. And right about that time in high school is when second edition came out. And that's, that's when it exploded. We just went hog hmm. wild for everything. You know, I would pick up a book, my friend would pick up a book, his friend would pick up a, a, a book, and we'd cycle through and bring everything to the table, and we all share. That's cool. Which is mm-hmm. good, because we're, we're all broke all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Pat? Do you have a similar story? Taken under the wing by a, a more experienced gamer? Kinda. I mean, I was when I was a, a real young kid, I was introduced to, like, Zeroth Edition, but then I kind of stopped going to church. And then uh, when I was in high school, I was about 15, I was exposed to like uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, though it's funny, the, the guy I ended up playing with, who was one of my best friends still, he was a year ahead of me. And I was in a game in, in, in seventh grade. We had a class called Puzzles and Games. 
and he and a friend of his were actually playing that in the room, and I had no idea what it was. I was doing jigsaw puzzles at the time, um, but I didn't. We so we started playing it like I was about fifteen. That's the first kind of thing that I did. Other than that, it was like board games and card games and stuff prior to that. Um, but I was a big Planescape guy, you know, which is pretty much second edition, and like still my favorite setting to this day just because of you know it was a it was more about ideas and philosophy and morality than it was about killing monsters and looting things like yes those things happened but they were incidental like you know it was um so i love that yeah that was that was a really cool setting you're right and you know and then i you know played with Rumi, like you know my my freshman year in college as well they they don't know who that is but (laughs) right uh matt (laughs) matt was my my first dm in um in college yeah, that was good. And then I think right near the end of college, that's when third edition came out. And I remember being very, you know, resistant to it <laughs> at the time. And then like, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's a better system. Like, like you said, the mechanics of second edition were awful, you know, but the, the ideas were wonderful, you know, so it was one of those things. And then over the years, I've played a lot of stuff. I played like 7C and I played Marvel and I played Star Wars and I played, you know, that kind of stuff. But that was all like, college and and just post-college but like under 15 not really anything i have to jump into all one of the others on that systems i enjoyed the most was savage worlds um which yeah that's mike, a fun system mike ran for me the first time when we when we did our adam adam you ran it right um was did it? i i don't think i did no no it was mike ran it for us and it, i was a rat catcher like Something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Mike, Mike. Uh, that was Warhammer. That was Warhammer. I've never played yeah. Warhammer. Yeah, that was with you and Adam. You were the rat really? catcher. Yeah, that was Warhammer. I remember. That was I Warhammer. remember you being the. the Why rat did catcher? I think it was uh, Savage Worlds? I, I guess playing. it wasn't that memorable. Savage Worlds was the uh, the Halloween one shots that I was doing. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you did Star Trek with the Savage Worlds, yep. which was awesome. That's probably why I remember. I I enjoyed the campaign, whatever the system was when 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 I was the rat catcher immensely. I remember. The, <laughs> I guess I remember it more than the rules. You know that was but, uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Second Edition. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, it was I had a lot of fun. So I mean, I guess that's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Mike did a Star Trek game, and and he did a whole campaign, and it was like being in. Being in a original series episode, and it was the best. That worked out pretty well. <laughs> you, it was all up to you guys, you know. You guys made it happen. Speaking of having fun, we need to have some fun in our make-believe universe, don't we? I know. Why are you always going to ruin things, Mike? This is real. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. <laughs> Earth's in the setting. We've established this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm just a brain in a jar. But I was as old as da- I'm as old as Daniel. <laughs> All right. So when we finished up last episode, uh, you had gotten all of the pieces of a broken space bridge from the Doctor Ma system into the hold of the Steel Haven. Uh, and with some pre 
pretty solid piloting roles from uh, from our pilot sweet spot here. Thank you, thank you. You managed to get everything back in one piece, and you only took one big ding on your roof. You'll have to buff that up pretty soon. I'll only take about ten minutes. Did you lose any hit points? I don't. No, no I'm, I didn't get into hit points at this at this level. Are you crazy? Since you have everything here in the Steel Haven, I don't see any particular need for you guys to hang around the the remnant of this this broken moon. So if you want to, you can go ahead and uh, tell the captain, tell Silverload to go ahead and set course for Scarvix, so you can start making your way there. And what Bulkhead and the engineering team is going to do is they're just like as you guys are doing your own uh, your own thing. Uh, they're going to get started on the space bridge and start trying to repair it, put that together. Cool. Do we want to bring this back to Cybertron first? You can bring it wherever you like. We have no way of testing it here, though. We can't, we can't provide enough power to test it here. No. No, not at all. Right. I guess the idea is, like, obviously, because Starscream is the one who sent us on this, he didn't give us any information, but is there a specific place that this is intended to be used? Uh, like, does Scarvix have a, a, a space bridge? Scarvix does not. Does not. Ooh. Would it be useful if it did? I'm betting it would. That's something that you guys are going to need to to figure out when you get there, because Scarvix is not a colony world, or it's not even a mechanical world. It, it's it's organic, but since it's such a big trade uh, uh, trade city or trade planet. Uh, you'll find mechanical life, organic, cyborgs, you'll find a whole bunch. Uh, and since they're part of the Galactic Council, they might not want to have anything to do with Cybertron. Uh, you can kind of get a, a feel of that when you when you get there. It might not be the wisest thing to, to say that we've just pinched a, a, uh, you know, a space bridge from their, their territory. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, not, because then they're going to figure it belongs to them and not us. I mean, I guess I was just curious, like, like you know, Adam or somebody, I think it was Adam, made a joke about, like, it's like, oh, like the space bridge, this amazing, miraculous, non-existent technology is going to save us five days of space travel time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, well, like, usually from, you use something like this it. for, like, oh, this would have taken us a thousand years to get there. Like, you know, it's just like, they're like, you know, they're like uh, research centers in, in um, pandemic you know, it's just like yeah. you, know, you, you want to keep them far enough away so that they actually maximize their utility. We're probably just yep, lucky yep. That, that they was this close, you know. Right. The only reason we picked it up. Maybe they're just lazy. If it's only <laughs> five days away, then maybe we should just return it to Cybertron just so that we don't have to deal with it and then make our way to Scarfix. Because, I mean, if, if especially if Scarfix doesn't care for us, they're just... All they have to do is take over the ship and they've got access to this thing. You know, like this thing is. Hey, I thought you said that you were taking care of that. Taking care of what? That's that whole taking over the ship thing. Oh, no. It's not going to happen on your watch, right? There's the difference between like a couple of people trying to board a ship and an armada wiping us out. Like there's nothing I can do against an armada, (laughs) you know. Then we don't have to worry about it in either case. (laughs) <laughs> if it's an armada they're going to throw after us, then we're doomed from the start. Okay, I think they. Mu- I think the point is they might not attack us if they we don't have something they want. <laughs> but if you can't do anything about the armada, can you do something about Cyclonus? 
and nice. his armada. And this shall be your ship, yes. <laughs> Don't you mean bombshell? <laughs> right? Isn't that where bombshell ended yeah. up? Too soon. Yeah, who, who knows? <laughs> who knows where the armada ended yeah. up? <laughs> uh, so I guess my, my point was, like, if we're only five days away, bringing it back to Cybertron so that they can decide what to do with it feels like the wisest course of action. But Second if you, guys, if you guys are like jonesing to get to Scarvix and then obviously let's do it. But like, is, is, is it in the other direction? Like maybe that'll have even answer it. Is like, is, is it, are we going to be going past Cybertron to get back anyway? Think about it like this. So if you were to draw a line from Cybertron to Scarvix mm -hmm. or, or Cybertron to, uh, the Dockerma system here, both are the equivalent distance. So both would be about like five, six days away, give or take, except that it's effectively on like a circle going around Cybertron. So it's going to take another two or three days or so to get to Scarvix from here, simply because it's on, you know, you, you have to move laterally, uh -huh. but it's going to be five days there and then five days back to Scarvix. Right. And I don't care about days since I'm 70 million years old. Like, that's like, you know, I've taken robotic shits longer than that, you know? <laughs> yes. Have you now? When, when we were joined as a, as a alloy, I, I actually recall him thinking fondly upon one of those moments. And now I can't get it out of my head. Uh -huh. Thank you. You experienced it. Yeah. That's where all those little lumps of bolts and nuts come from. Are we closer to the place that I want to visit from here, or are we closer to Scarvix? Or, Scar or Scarvix closest to the place? So here's the, the kind of distances here. Uh, the place that you want to go, Mike, Teonia, uh, is about... is a little bit further away than Scarvix. Uh, Scarvix is the closest destination to where you are right now, and if you were to head to Cybertron from there, Cybertron would be the uh, the furthest away. So in terms of distance, Scarvix is closest, Teonia is next closest, but it's also in the opposite direction, and then Cybertron is the furthest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we go to Scarvix now, then we'll be closer to Teonia. We're going to Teonia first. See, so here's my, my one concern, and obviously you feel free to ignore this, um, but the one thing that we didn't do successfully in that last interaction was we let the ship get away. So they know what ship we are, and they if they could scan us, I mean, you could just look out the window and you'd be like, "Oh, look at that! It's a, the make and model. Like, it's not a hard thing to figure that out." Um, so, and they know why we were there, and so it's one of those things. Like, so if if there isn't a, like a like a bounty on our heads already, I will be amazed. And uh, just looking at the map, if I assume that's okay. I'll look at the map. Teonia is also in the is 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 in the Black Block Consortium. Correct. So that's probably the last place we want to fly with the, the Space Gate or right. Star Star Bridge. So I mean, I I would still support going to back just dropping it off at Cybertron first, just just simplify it. You know, that's and, that's that's um, what I would do. We got two votes for going back to Cybertron, dropping it off. To Adam and Mike, uh, which uh, which would you prefer? Mike, you want to head to Tioni, uh, Tionia first? 
No, that's fine. We can we can drop it off first. That makes sense. All right, then, Adam, I'm not even going to ask you because three to one against you. All right. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but would you like to go to, back to Cybertron to drop it off as well? If that is the general consensus, I will concede the point and uh, defer to the majority. Like a true politician. <laughs> You can head back to Cybertron. Uh, Bulkhead and his engineering team aren't going to finish the repairs uh, until after you guys arrive. But you can already see that it's actually starting to to come together and the physical structure has been linked, has been combined and is now uh, one ring for the... Uh, for the space bridge, so you think that probably another day or so, uh, and he'll be able to uh, to finish it up. We're probably lucky Rex isn't here; he'd be chewing on it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I uh, kind of be looking over the shoulder while they do? I'm still learning engineering stuff, so why not learn on the most complicated piece of machinery that exists? Yeah, sure, <laughs> go for it. So yeah, not start well, at you the guys top. have uh, you'll have five days to uh, to head back, and then presumably you'll. As soon as you drop it off, you'll start heading out again, uh, and then head over to uh, to Scarvix. So you have five days there, five days back, or sorry, five days to Cybertron, then five days to Scarvix. Pat, you said you were going to hang around like over their shoulder, try to learn some engineering stuff. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to to do? And what do you want to do for the second leg of that journey? So I mean, I I keep doing that and or working on my piloting because like that's the those are the two things that I'm learning in my, you know, that sort of thing. All right, Matt, uh, what would you, what would Magnum like to do uh, in the five days back and then the five days to Scarvix? I'm not sure how much information I've gotten from the data data, data crystal yet, but uh, do we have any, some idea what's in it now that I studied it for a couple days? Or Yes, uh, these are the, the star charts that... Uh, they're essentially the the path that Star Runner took, and it's the thing that you're comp- that you were comparing to the uh, the star charts in the in the central archive. Um, so effectively, like that's like what you're starting. You're starting the these his star charts, trying to make sense of them because they he used different terms and a different not not so much different language, but a different like descriptors for everything. So. You're effectively like having to translate what he meant by di- by different things. Okay, and remi- remind me what's at the end of the trail that we think. Uh, you're not certain what, what what's at the end. All you know is that it was important to Quick Switch for some reason. It was important enough for him to dedicate a good amount of resources to attempting to to translate this and, and to to figure out what his path was. Did we find anything about the harmonium? I know we did a little research. Uh, you have not yet. I don't think we found. We didn't. You uh, have not yeah, yet. I wasn't able to find anything. All right. Hey, uh, well, actually, Magna will ask around the ship to see if anyone's heard about them because we've got a, quite a few people here. You do. Uh, go ahead and uh, give me a. Um, would be diplomacy nowadays. Thirty-one for diplomacy. Uh, so you, uh, you kind of question the crew a little bit and try to keep it as casual as possible. Uh, and 
you get a couple of little bits of information. The Harmonium, it is effectively a, a mythical colony. So there are a number of colonies that are are absolutely they're they're set they're real you can go there you can visit them Velocitron Division Caminus you know they, they're all these colonies that that physically exist and are known about. There's a number of colonies, of course, that were theorized or you know maybe there was some like just a, a scattered record about hey this Titan left at, at this point in time and set up a you know a civilization on this planet, but you know, one, like, one notice, like, one little record. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of information you're getting about the the Harmonium. It sounds like it either is or was a Cybertronian colony at one point, but no one has ever, no one has, has heard of what happened to it, where it is now, what's going on with it. It feels an, an awful lot like the Legend of Atlantis to us, where it's just like you don't like you know it exi- it it might have existed maybe maybe it's just a myth who knows but the people you are talking to do you do get the sense that it it exists in culture whether it's real or not you're not quite certain well he thought it obviously thought it was real yeah quick switch was a believer is <laughs> it like almost like a eldorado you know, it's like he's actually looking for, like, a place, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, a good analogy for it. Is there a Cybertronian equivalent of Plato who invented it, or...? <laughs> uh, not that you know. Well, I, I guess that's the beginning, but it, I guess maybe that shows where we should look, though. And since it's legendary, we're going to have to look at folklore. But also, Quicksitch had a reason to to believe that there was something going on with them. So I guess I'll search the databanks on this computer since this was his ship. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So turn it upside down. And uh, look in all the secret files. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're actually not seeing anything in the ship's database. Uh, maybe there's a mention of it in like Star Runner's logs. Maybe he had, maybe he saw it at one point. Maybe he visited it or or knew knew something about it. And the more you think about it, the more you kind of realize maybe that's the reason why Quicksuitch was so interested in that data crystal, because if anyone would have known about the Harmonium or known about where it is, uh, maybe one of uh, Cybertron's first uh, explorers would have seen something like that. All right. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll spend the remaining time going through the data crystals, and I'll try to make my own star map and just sort of build it. I mean, build on whatever he had so far and work from there. You've already started doing that, too, with uh, the information from the Central Archive, too. Magnum, well, Pythagoras is doing that. He's going to be sort of stuck in one place. He will, uh... Let's see. He's going to try to get it connect to... Uh, there's a way to connect to anything on, like, Scarbrick's database and find uh, maybe a legal legal advisors for hire in Scarbix. Uh, but he might not be able to get that information from here. So, so effectively you need a, a lawyer? Like a Scarbix lawyer? Well, I have a lawyer, <laughs> but maybe a solicitor. <laughs> I guess he'll, he'll I guess, study the um, I guess he'll study the, he'll study the, uh, the law books that we have too. So, no, no hard, we get everyone getting prepared. 
Uh, all right, actually, well, since you are going to do that, I can give you a little bit of information. Uh, actually, give me a uh, quick culture check, if you don't mind. Uh, just so you know, like, you rolled a 31 on diplomacy before. Do you know what I'd have to roll to get a 31? A 31. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's a, it was sort of in his area. Uh, so, culture 31. You know a couple things about what's going to be, what's waiting for you on Scarvix when you arrive. You are likely going to be arrested the moment you land. Uh, because of the simple fact that uh, Hardtop is turning in the bounty for you, you are going to have to face the, the legal process of this. There's, there's really no way mm-hmm. to avoid that. But what's going to happen is uh, you will be brought down to uh, effectively the, the police station, arraigned, and the, uh, the, the trial against you will commence probably pretty quickly considering the uh, the nature of the the theft uh, on the first day will be what's called the announcement phase which is uh, when charges are presented and when you enter a plea uh, that is the only thing that happens that day and then depending on you know it, it, then you're gonna be essentially released in order to you know get whatever you need get you know, get a lawyer if you want uh, if you want one figure out what kind of witnesses or testimony or stuff you want to, to do. Uh, the next day, the trial will start. That's when the prosecution is going to present their case. Uh, and then the following day is when you, as the defense, can present your arguments. And then on the fourth day, uh, the verdict is delivered and you are sentenced. Or not sentenced, as the case may be. Okay. So you expect this process, because of the nature of the crime, to probably happen pretty quickly. In fact, like once you get there, it's, it's likely that you will be uh, put through the announcement process the next day. That's fine. Um, legally, is there, since I'm basically bringing, their, bringing it back to them at this point, I'm returning it voluntarily, pretty mm-hmm. much, because... I certainly, I didn't have it when the, when the bounty hunters first caught me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know that if we can. Maybe I just need to do more research. If they, what would be the most advantageous way of returning it? I want you to make a profession lawyer check, <laughs> uh, and anyone who wants to can assist with either an intelligence or wisdom check. What about culture? No, because I, I don't think this is particularly a cultural to Scarvix. I think this is more of a, hey, can, can you try to figure out what the best course of action is? So, okay. it's intelligence plus four. That's 24 plus four from Pat. Or six no, from Pat. I rolled a six. No, I rolled a six. Oh, <laughs> now you confuse me. <laughs> plus two for you, buddy. Alright, 26. You think that... Giving the crystal just to the police when you arrive is not the greatest idea for your case. Because it's just going to confirm that you took it, and then you'll be put on trial for taking it. (laughs) You think that the best way of doing it is if you get the, uh, the, the jury or get the, the, the trial on your side, and if you then present it, that would be the absolute best course of action. Okay. Not necessarily the only one, but the best one. 
One thing I will do if I have time is try to, during our fight, basically we found it on him after we, we killed uh, Trick Switch, right? So if there's any sort of recorders or cameras in there of us finding it, that would be good. You want to put that together yeah. as evidence? Because that would show that okay. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have it. Doesn't mean I didn't steal it, but, um, but we found it, and we're not giving it back because we have to. It's because we choose to. Okay. Uh, out of character, I would say uh, make a note of all the things that that seem like a good idea to present for evidence, because you might have to actually present yep. it as evidence. Alrighty. All right. Thank you. Uh, let's see here. Mike, what are you doing in the five days to Cybertron and then the five days over to Scarvix? Uh, still working on my computer skills, seeing if I can find any more research based on, uh, on Tiona. Okay. Works for me. And Sweet Spot, anything in particular that you would like to work on or do in the meantime? Uh, continue working on the scientific research, even though we're past the point where that would be most relevant. Uh, I did uh, take a growing interest in the the uh, the physical sciences, so I will continue uh, working on that skill uh, for the five days back to uh, back to Cybertron, and then I will assist uh, Magnum in any way that he needs in gathering information, uh, putting together a legal case, and or uh, representation for his upcoming case on the trip back to Scarvix. Sounds good to me. Five days pass and you make it uh, back to Cybertron, get everything unloaded. Drop off Bulkhead and his engineering team, get back right on the ship, and take off again, heading over to Scarvix. Uh, it takes another five days to reach Scarvix, as, of course, there is no space bridge directly there. Uh, before we get there, I want to make sure that the the, the Dwechimadingi that they want is stored in the ship, in a, in probably in a, in a shielded container, so it won't get picked up on sensors. I don't certainly don't want it in my pocket. <laughs> and, for, and I guess one of you guys can hold on to it, but they might catch you with it. So probably in a shielded spot that no one knows except maybe Sweet Spot and the other guys. So Sweet Spot's helping. Maybe you can find one. You mean like the the two the two places that we just closed up? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to use their own sensor, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah, they're they're not shielded, but yeah, just find where all the cigarette butts are and the beer cans. Yeah, uh, you can do that, no problem. Uh, and you come into Scarvix orbital space. The traffic control gives you a landing pad to put down on. And Silverload orders the Steel Haven put down. And you guys land at the capital city of Scarvix. On the ground here, Scarvixian enforcers meet you at the landing pad uh, and will take you into custody if you don't put up a struggle. I, I won't. I will give... It looks like they're dressed in black and white armor. How quaint. <laughs> I will uh, give my weapons, I guess, to Carapace. 
That's what they are. He's like, this is not a weapon. (laughs) (laughs) When you die, can I give this to me daughter? (laughs) It's cute that you think you threaten people with this. Uh, The chief investigator that is uh, that's coming by with uh, the security forces to uh, to arrest you. Uh, Hardtop and Diurnal approach them. And they uh, they have a couple of quick words. It looks like Hardtop presents something for him to sign, and the security chief there does. It looks like uh, they're they're marking their bounty as completed. Uh, and as soon as they do, uh, Hardtop pretty much just walks away. He's done with you. Uh, Diurnal goes ahead and turns around and gives you a, a smile. There, sweet spot. I smile back and. Give a little twiddly wave. <laughs> Call me, and the two of them will uh, will head off. All right. The security chief will uh, bring will escort you over to the uh, the the main processing center for uh, for prisoners, and it looks like everything is, is kind of like moving as you expect. Uh, you're put in a cell, and there you're told that your uh, your the announcement phase of the trial will begin tomorrow, and that your companions are invited to uh, to see you at the the trial tomorrow. Uh, and you're you'll be expected once you enter your plea and that the charges have been have been arraigned uh, that you will uh, be released and you will have like a restraining bolt placed on you to to help track you and to make certain you don't leave the planet. Remarkably civilized, considering I basically committed the biggest crime possible on this planet. So. Well, you know, they they are civilized people. They they respect laws, whether or not the laws are. Just <laughs> as long as so they like a classic lawful neutral society. Exactly, exactly. This is like a big trading like a, a, a sector too. A big trading um, planet. So contracts must be must be maintained and established. It's like the it's like the Ferengi, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> I was thinking more of de- I was thinking more of the devils, but you know, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> They're not necessarily evil. It's just that. Okay, you know, you, you committed a crime. Now we're going to follow the proper procedure to, to try you for it. <laughs> well, that's good, because that can work in your favor, too. Mm-hmm. Do they have juries here? They do have juries, yes. Uh, however, you don't think you'll be tried by a jury, considering the, the weight of the crime. That makes no sense, but uh, I can see why they would want <laughs> Right. Sorry, what, what, I'm, what I mean is, like, you're probably going to be tried by, like, the, the high court, like, the council of the like, No, the I understand. Court. I mean, it's because they want control over the result. So right. that's it's sort of like a military thing that they don't want, they don't want, you know, legal life niceties like human rights to get in the way of things like that. The rest of you, I assume, are staying in the, uh, the ship overnight? Yeah. Where are they keeping him? Effectively in the, uh, the, the, the main police building. Like the chief precinct there. Do they have uh, uh, diplomatic facilities? Yes. Yes, they would. I would uh, uh, request to stay there or a place that is uh, very close to where he is in case he should have need of legal counsel. I want to be able to be there right away for him. Answer me this question here, Adam. High or low good for you? That would be high. Yes, Velocitron does have an embassy here, 
and you can contact the the Velocitronian Embassy, and they can arrange for some place for you to stay that is nearby. Uh, it is, I say embassy, but really it's it's like like a corner of a diplomatic building. Mm-hmm. Not that amazing. That's fine. So that being said, uh, the next day. Actually, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're not. But uh, that evening, I would like to uh, attempt to kind of... Break him out of jail? What? (laughs) Mingle with some of the other delegates and diplomatic types and see if I can get a feel feel for the room before I enter the room, so to speak. Oh, okay. And you want to try and speak with Scarvixian officials or someone else? Uh, probably Scarvixian officials. Someone who would have uh, an opinion based more on the local uh, mindset. All right. Give me a diplomacy check. Ooh. A diplomacy check from the diplomat, you say. <laughs> or profession diplomat, if you prefer. Now that you've identified you actually have a profession. Rather than just profession. <laughs> uh, I believe I'll go with straight up diplomacy. And that is a very nice 21. So you schmooze some of your fellow representatives and diplomats, uh, and you get a couple of things that might interest you. Uh, one, you can confirm that the trial is not going to be a jury trial. They are, uh, he's actually going to be tried by the the uh, high administrators so the three of them are going to be the ones who are hearing the case and making the final decision so it's those three you're going to have to convince and what are the possible outcomes obviously there is a all well I suppose it's only two ways to go with only three of them because majority would uh, would win the day Mm -hmm. so what are the possible outcomes that we would be looking at if a guilty verdict is uh, returned. Execution or life imprisonment. See, that's not a whole thing. Like, life means a whole other thing mm-hmm. to these things, yeah. For Transformers, yeah. And you get the sense that it's, it's this way because of the, the severity of, uh, of the theft. Uh, if it was anything else, you don't think it would be this, uh, this potentially bad, but since it is a, effectively a holy relic for them... You can see why they're they're doing this, or why they're that's a potential outcome. Is there a potential outcome where he isn't found uh, guilty of the crime per se, but an accessory too that would be, you know, also somewhat bad for him? Yeah, potentially. You would think that because of the severity of it, they're gonna treat it fairly similarly. Um, but if your argument is is good enough, you might be able to to kind of reduce the sentence for it, at least. And uh, general consensus, what do they think the... uh, I mean, how do they feel about the whole thing? Are they more concerned with bringing him to justice, or are they uh, fairly more concerned about just getting back the artifact, the symbol? You get the sense that... Because they, because don't forget, don't forget, they don't know that the 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 binding crystal is here now. All that all that they have heard is that there's been an arrest in this case, and the first arrest to ever happen in this case 
And I mean, as we we talked about last uh, last episode, this happened like a good hundred, two hundred years ago. So this has been like a thorn in their side for for quite a while. Uh, an entire generation for some of these people have have come and gone, and no no resolution to it. So the fact that they have a suspect means that they are they're looking for they're looking for blood, <laughs> even though Magnificent doesn't have any blood to give. Really, they're, <laughs> so they're more concerned with. Uh justice being served to the guilty party instead of the possibility of, well, can we pump him for information? Find out where it is. What did he do with it? Is there some way that we can get it back? That's not the top priority? You don't get that sense. Okay. You you get the sense that it right now it's a bit more about punishment than anything else. No, they would ask me, did they? They uh, didn't ask me. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask some probing questions as well to to see if they even care that it, it still exists where it might be. Is there a way for them to get it back? I'm careful not to let on anything that might clue them in that I have it or know where it is. Uh, and you want know to give me one more diplomacy roll because I think this one will be a little bit tougher. I can do that. Just a little bit tougher. Matt's just patiently waiting here for his trial to start. <laughs> uh, 27. Even better. After speaking with, with multiple people, and not just, uh, not just the Scarvixians, but even the other ambassadors that kind of work with them, uh, you're getting the sense that a lot of Scarvixians believe that since they have an arrest now, they'll be able to backtrack where the crystal went now that they have a suspect. But they don't particularly care about Magnum himself. Like, they, they, they just want him punished and that's it. They just, they want that part done. They're more convinced that they're just going to do the work themselves to get the crystal back now that they have a potential lead. You get the sense that they're not relying on Magnum to to give trustworthy or truthful information. You get the sense that they're planning to do the work themselves, and they're just going to, to punish Magnum. Alright, so they're just going through the steps, first things first. I get you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's about time for me to hit the old uh, dusty trail and uh, put, my, <laughs> put my wheels up. <laughs> Next morning, bright and early, Magnum, you are escorted to the courthouse, the high courthouse, where they try matters of a political nature, uh, and the rest of you are invited to join. Now, I'm going to move you, all of you, to a new map. New map. So this building is pretty enormous. Uh, it has to be considering the size of many of the, the people who are in it. Uh, it is very ornate and very well decorated. A kind of like classical motif, like, like friezes and reliefs along the upper parts of the wall. Uh, there is a large section uh, towards the, the southern end of the, uh, the entrance area uh, that has enough space for probably about 100 uh, viewers. Like 100 people for just 
people who want to see the proceedings and the moment you walk in you can tell that it is it is packed the the viewing galleries are like almost completely full but a couple of spaces have been saved up front for uh, for guests of the uh, the defendant. As you go further into the building, there is this kind of like low uh, low wall to separate out the sections of the the trial from the viewing area. Uh, and if you look to the left and the right, there are two viewing galleries that are suspended above the the trial floor. Uh, and you can see that each uh, each raised gallery is uh, packed with people, at least a dozen, probably close to, to two dozen. Uh, and Magnum, you can... you Actually, both Magnum and Sweet Spot, you get the sense that these two galleries are for more important visitors. Not so much like the viewing public, but for administrators of the trial, kind of mid-level diplomats, stuff like that. On each gallery, there is a door kind of leading off into the the uh, into other parts of the courtroom, but there is no access to the the raised viewing gallery on the sides from the trial floor. Uh, you can see in the middle of the floor there is a raised little pulpit here where you'd be expected to to stand there, Magnum. Uh, to the left of that, there is the prosecutor's desk. To the right of that is the defendant's desk. In front of that are three tall raised desks where three uh, fairly important looking people are sitting. And beyond them is another viewing gallery that's raised up uh, a good like 10 to, to 15 feet where it looks like uh, other like diplomats and administrators are uh, watching the trial. So there's a lot of people watching you right now. Magnum, are you going to allow them to escort you to the pulpit in the middle? Sure. I mean, I wouldn't be here if I was going to resist. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Actually, this could be the good time to resist. I mean, you've got a good audience. For it. Yeah. Wait till I'm actually in oh, the courthouse to try to get away. <laughs> <laughs> I may be crazy, but I'm not stupid. That makes for a more daring, daring escape. <laughs> Now, let me ask you a question here, Sweet Spot. Yes, yes. Are you going to be serving as his defendant? Uh, If he would like me to, I certainly shall. I will, of course, accept any other legal help that he has acquired through communications. You know, experts on the local law. Uh, The Thagras is going to be his lawyer, but Uh, if if Sweet Spot could be his co-lawyer, that would be good. Absolutely. uh, You're very good at persuasion. Yes, yes. Of course. I know something about the evidence stuff. We are your your legal team. Alright. Uh, so, Magnum, you head to the, the center uh, pulpit there. Sweet spot, you head over to the defendant's table. The rest of you take your seats in the viewing area to the south. Legionnaire is there as well, so he can, uh, he can join you all. Uh, once everyone is seated, you hear the sound of a gavel from up front. The person in the center desk, uh, the center raised desk up front, uh, he stands up and in a deep, booming voice. I am Administrator Stanzant, and I will be presiding over the trial of the people of Skarvix against Magnum of Zybertron. 
The other two members of this council are Vixia Ixeman. He gestures to the left. Und Kutter Gerrit. And he gestures to the right. The charges presented are as follows. Conspiracy to steal cultural relics. Assault on administration officers. Zeft of administration property. Namely, the Binding Crystal of Skarvix. Falsification of records leading to improper security clearance. Willful destruction of administration property, the Skarvixian Ministry of Culture. And finally, disobeying direct commands of the administration security officers. The defendant will now enter a plea. Guilty or innocent. Spare me this mockery of justice! (laughs) (laughs) My lord. Who let Al Pacino in here? That sort of shocked me, like destruction of property, the ministry, the whole thing. (laughs) Need some information here. Uh, My lord, I would like to plead not guilty. That wasn't one of the choices. Innocent. Also, I don't think that applies to you. I plead no contest. There you go. That's the one. The plea has been entered. A security ban will be placed on your person and you will be remanded to your comrades to prepare for trial tomorrow. We begin in the morning. A security bot comes over to you and uh, places what looks like a restraining bolt on your leg. Uh, and you, you recognize it. You've seen stuff like this before. Uh, it One contains a tracker and contains a, uh, a device that if you leave the radius of the, the city, uh, it will go down. It will effectively go into lockdown and lock you in place wherever you are. It will pre- just prevent you from moving. All right, then. Time to go find some witnesses. All right, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it for the, the first day, for the announcement phase. Uh, you're allowed to leave, and you start your, uh, your moves and start heading out. Carapace, on the way out, a bot walks by you and kind of shoulders you. Like, like just like walks by you, but kind of mm-hmm. hits you on the way with his shoulder. Uh, and like, you don't really notice too much, like too much of it, because he he kind of just like walks by you, doesn't stop, doesn't apologize. He just kind of like shoulders, it almost like shoulders you out of the way. But it feels a little bit intentional. So he's like sixteen feet tall. You know, he, he's he's tall enough to to okay. hit you around him. That's all. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, you said that he head, shouldered me. I mean, I'm a large creature now, so it's like if he's going to shoulder me, he's got to be big. Like he can like waste me. Or like bump my leg with his <laughs> shoulder, and I'm like, okay, that's you know, that's a different thing. I just yeah, want him to know, or them to know, what they're dealing with. More like your back, then I, I, I guess. Okay, so they 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 shove me in a in a way. Yeah. Okay. And after this happens, you you feel something being placed in your hand. You look down, and there's a data slug in your hand. Ew. Oh. <laughs> I'm a big, big fan of snails more than a data snail. Um, oh. we, can, we can call it a data snail. Sure, let's go. Let's go um, for it. I guess the impression is like... I, when I, it's a when data snail in your head. There's a scene 
in Fight Club when they get onto the bus and a guy passes by and just shoulders them and he's just like like I don't give a shit like you know like he's not threatened by it like you know so that's what I kind of envisioned I'm not like hey what the hell's going on man like you know yeah so so someone like slips it into my hand mm-hmm. well I, I kind of I close my hand and kind of like look like do they keep walking or do they stop and talk to me no the guy who shouldered you just keeps on walking on okay uh, doesn't even doesn't look back doesn't say anything. I uh, try to remember who they are just in case I you know, need to track this person again um, certainly but it's uh, I'll go and once we're alone I'll give the data slug to you know someone that knows how to use a data slug fair enough I imagine you would know how to use it too it, it's not that's not complicated technology right, right. I, I know <laughs> it's like so like saying I don't know how to open someone, a notebook some, you know so. Someone, someone gave me a message. <laughs> uh, you guys like reading. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, nothing else uh, happens really uh, on the at the end of this this section of the trial. Uh, but on the way out, you you notice a ton, a ton of people that have kind of swarmed around the the, the courthouse. Uh, it looks like mostly reporters, people trying to get a glimpse of the 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 criminal of the century. <laughs> over here. They're not stopping you, per se, but there's certainly a big crowd around the courthouse. All right. So we're not in a place where I can share this yet, right? Not right now, no. After the uh, proceedings are done and people are getting up and moving around, I will uh, step out from behind my desk and stroll ever so confidently across the courtroom to uh, greet the prosecution. Hello there. My name is uh, Sweet Spot. I'm a Lostronian representing uh, Mr. Magnum, right over there. How you doing today? Ah, so you are the person he got to defend himself. <laughs> I don't envy your position right now. Actually, I'm more of an assistant, a uh, legal advisor, as such. Uh, that little guy sitting over there, uh, behind the desk, uh, you can barely see. Pythagoras, stand up. Oh, oh, you are. Okay, uh, that bot right there. Got to uh, wave his hat. That's the, all uh, he can do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that bot is actually representing him, and also happens to be uh, Magnum's head. That is his lawyer. Yes, that's his lawyer. I'm the assistant lawyer. I just wanted to come over and meet uh, you and wish you. Uh, Good luck in uh, the trial to come. Want to know if uh, I'd be able to uh, take a look at your files, see what kind of a case you're building against my client. I'm not sure how familiar you are with this Kravixian law, but we are under no obligation to give you our evidence until the trial starts. Ah. All of the evidence will be provided to you as the case proceeds. You will, of course, have the chance to rebut it the following day. Since you have the last bird, as you can imagine. Yes, uh, this is uh, my first time in the Scarvexian law, or courtroom for that matter. Oh. Uh, I am most impressed with the architecture alone. This is a beautiful, beautiful building. This is your first case then? Uh, yes, my first case here in, in Scarvex. Uh, and as such, I, I wanted to uh, want to know a little bit more about the proceedings so I could, you know, better prepare and, of course, I certainly wouldn't want to uh, break any rules myself. Of course not. Of course not. 
Well, as you are probably aware, tomorrow I will present my case along with all of the evidence gathered over the last, oh, what has it been, or over 200 years since the theft? Uh, 232. Of course, of course. And then you will have the opportunity to reboot anything the following day and to, uh, call any others witnesses to help your case. Uh, give me a sense motive check. Uh, gladly. <laughs> is, there, is there any pre-butting that we could do? <laughs> Hold your butts. Hold your butts. <laughs> Hold, Hold your butt. <laughs> What did you ask for? Uh, sense motive? Uh, sense motive. Down here. Okay. Boom. 29. My goodness, that's a great rule. You get the sense that there is kind of a blood-in-the-water vibe coming from her. As soon as you said that this was your first case in Scarvix, like, her eyes just lit up. It's like, huh. First case, you say, huh? That's good. Now it should be a little, little off guard. Not expecting much from you. Just so you know, as well, uh, this looks like a, uh, a female organic being that is about half your size. Really? Yes. That's probably why she didn't hit on him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not attracted to the metal bots. And she doesn't like big bot? <laughs> she can't lie. There's a lot of bots in this discussion lately. <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe I could take her for a ride sometime. It did wonders for Pythagoras. <laughs> oh, my dear attorney, I would never fit inside you. You are far too small for me. <laughs> oh, I can get bigger, if that's what you need. Wow, this is oh. going to start having to be censored here. <laughs> what do you mean, start? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> on that note, uh, if you guys are going to head out of the courtroom... And back to the... Before we leave, um, I mean, I assume Sweet Spot will tell me that they didn't give him any information. Well, what they... They didn't give him the evidence. Can I do a role, a, a, a legal role, to determine whether that's actually true? And if there's a precedent that we could get the evidence sooner? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead and do a uh, professional lawyer check. Twelve. Ugh. I have no idea. Nope. Uh, as far as you know, that is 100% accurate. That's bullshit elsewhere. <laughs> well, no, in, in real yeah, life, it's, it's bullshit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, somebody handed me this while we were walking out of the talking place. So I hand it to you. I don't know what's on it, though. Like, you guys do, do your thing. Plug it into our data pad. Okay. The data pad loaded up. Oh, that's what was <laughs> 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 It's an unsecured data snail, so yeah, you uh, go ahead and plug it into a, a data pad, and there is one message on it. All right. I have information that can help your friend. Meet me tomorrow while everyone is focused on the trial. Uh, and it's followed by a time and a set of coordinates. I was going to say, like, it, did it read with that accent? <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it does remind me of the slight the stick was like that, too. And the, when the, when the dwarf yeah. wrote something, he wrote it with all the Scottish. He's like, you don't have to write with your accent. No, what accent? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's Zycon. No, you're saying uh, it wrong. It's Zycon with a Z. You can't tell the difference. He's like, well, you could tell it now, can't you? Like, <laughs> uh, Magnum, you go ahead and run those coordinates through the uh, the ship systems to see where that is in the city, uh, and it is uh, pretty much a uh, like a, a restaurant. Okay. And it's in a decent part of town too. It's not like it's in. It's not like it's seedy or in a shady area. This planet actually has like biological life on it, right? Is yeah. it nearby? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, I'm gonna go. And you've, I'm, I'm sure that you've seen, uh, like you've seen uh, mechanical life, biological, organic life, cyborgs, like just, just all sorts of different people, like, like just walking by as you're, you're heading there, because uh, you're, because this is like the capital city of Scarvix, so the shopping district is pretty close by too. And if I had money, that would be great. <laughs> and I may, just maybe I can like walk down like a dark alley and get jumped and then take all the money from the people that like jump me like that'd be kind of cool yeah you want to do some dropping I have something new <laughs> for you to go buy and I have money oh yeah oh yeah I'll, I'll go shop it for you go I need you to buy I need you to buy we know all those instant knowledge chips that you can plug in mm-hmm. to your head find one on local law and uh, you can spend whatever you need. Okay. If you're going to go out. Because that's something I would, I would really need right now. Absolutely. With that, the message says to meet with uh, this person tomorrow. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and decide that during the trial uh, next time. And we will see you next time. Uh, for the trial of Magnum. Oh, boy. Dun-dun. From the Secret Files of Teletran 1, Empire of Rust is written in GM by Michael Ordway. Headmaster Magnum and his partner Pythagoras are played by Matthew G. Candidate Sweetspot, representative of Velocitron, is played by Adam H.U. The Decepticon Warrior, Wildstrike, is played by Mike M. And Carapace, the Beast Soldier of Primitive Eucharist, is played by Patrick Finn. Additional characters are played by Michael and Cassandra Ordway. Empire of Rust is supported by the humans and networks of planet Earth, whose online networks provide access to libraries of sound effects and music, such as Storyblocks, Zasplat, Blue Zone, and Dark Fantasy Studios. We are distributed by the Transmissions Podcast Network. Stay up to date with all the latest news and reviews in the world of the Transformers by going to transmissionspodcast.com or searching for the transmissions in your podcast app of choice. You can communicate with the heroes of Iacon by joining us on the Transmissions Discord channel. There you can discuss episodes, talk to the cast, and download the rule set used in the Empire of Rust. Teletran 1, signing off. <laughs>